Hello, this is Intersection. On this edition, it's all about music. Eric Danielson's job is one that increasingly few journalists can claim these days. He's a music journalist working at a daily paper, the Columbia Tribune, where he serves as arts and entertainment editor. He came by KBIA studios recently and we talked about music, but also got deep on the topic of arts and faith and journalism. Eric also shared with us some of his favorite Missouri music artists right now. Here's the conversation. Eric Danielson, thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you. So what is it like, first of all, covering music from mid-Missouri? It's it's really an interesting thing. I mean, uh, you know, you try it at some point, I think, especially early on when you're covering uh, an art form like that, to ascertain, like, what is the Missouri sound? What is, what is the sound of mid-Missouri? And I think the best answer that I've gotten in interviewing folks and listening for myself is that there isn't really one. You know, it's, uh, you know, Missouri is kind of this river country, right, where all of these things kind of coalesce and connect. And I think that that's really the answer that people give is, you know, you're getting the blues from here and jazz from here and country from here. And and we really have kind of this, you know, in the Midwest and Missouri specifically, this kind of interesting vantage point where it all kind of came together uh, as people traveled through or, or maybe stuck around. And so um, it's kind of interesting to kind of just like see how that all works itself out and, and then, you know, to see how um, the area kind of produces musicians who seem really knowledgeable about the history of, of music in this area and also seem really well-versed in a lot of things that they're versatile. They can do um, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So it's, I don't know, it keeps me on my toes and it's interesting to hear the variations that people come up with. You probably work with other music writers or come in contact with them um, from across the country. What would they be surprised about uh, your job covering music from here in the Midwest and Missouri? Yeah, I, you know, it's a great question. Um, I mean, I do interact with a lot of Midwestern music writers, so I think we all probably you know, just like the Midwest tends to do, you know, take on a slight underdog mentality of like, hey, there's more going on here than than maybe you realize. And I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe just the, that, that sense of, um, especially here, that sense of like transience with being a university community that, that we kind of sometimes have these shooting stars in the area where there's these bands that are really great, but then they only last for a year or two because somebody gets a job or somebody moves on, you know, graduates or that sort of thing. And so, you know, it's one of those things where I don't know the rhythms of other music scenes, but I think there's, I don't know, there's almost a little bit more of a volatility sometimes here um, than maybe would be the case in like a Chicago or even like a, a coastal city. Um, yeah. So I think just kind of the like starburst moments might be kind of surprising to people. What do you mean when you say volatility? I think just that transience, just that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the, the scene changes over every few years. And there's mm-hmm. certainly absolutely people in Columbia and mid-Missouri who have been here for decades and are still making music. But within kind of that umbrella um, or with those kind of anchor anchor people, anchor points kind of secure, um, there's a lot of turnover. And, you know, the, the scene will be really heavy on, you know, a certain rock style for a few years, and then it'll be really heavy on, you know, Americana artists for a few years. And it kind of rotates in that way just because, again, you know, people move on. They come here, you know, for school, and they think that they're just going to leave right away, and then maybe they stay for three or four years after they graduate. But then at some point, you know, St. Louis or Chicago or somewhere else comes calling, um, and so, you know, there are these bands that you kind of begin to have an affection for, and then they're gone. And, I, and I'm sure that's not a, a totally unique story, but I think 
Um, just being in a college town, it feels more pronounced sometimes. Well, and we're right in the middle. You know, we're on the Highway 70, right in the middle right. of St. Louis and Kansas City. In some ways, we're kind of in the middle of time. You know, um, if you look at St. Louis as sort of um, the eastern older city and Kansas City as the western um, jazzy, <laughs> newer mm-hmm. southwestern kind of city. Yeah. You know, we're a stop in between. And so in some ways, that's been really beneficial. And I guess in some ways, um, it makes you kind of in a no man's land. Right? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think one other thing that actually makes me go back to your, your earlier question that I think one thing that maybe writers in other communities might be surprised by is simply the the sorts of acts from outside Missouri that we're able to draw here in Columbia. And so much of it is that. It's that, you know, in-between place where you can pick up another gig between St. Louis and Kansas City. Um, but it's also that we've just had these people, you know, folks like Richard King who owned the Blue Note for, you know, over 30 years who just stuck around long enough to build something. Well, so speaking of um, the local kids, uh, what are some bands that come to mind? You and I have talked about or corresponded a little bit about some of your favorites. So let's talk music for a minute. If I asked you, you know, at a bar, Eric, what are some of the cool bands (laughs) in Columbia? What would you suggest that we talked about or listened to? Yeah, I think one of the first bands that's been coming to mind for the last year or so um, is this band Loose Loose. Um, It's kind of this... Uh, you know, sprawling collective. I think they can do, you know, I've seen them do three or four piece sets and then I've seen them have as many as eight or nine people up on the stage. Um, but folks may have seen them around, you know, different venues. I think they've played everywhere from Cafe Berlin to, to Rose, but also at places like True False. Um, and it's this band of, it's just really interesting. I think they call themselves something like Future Soul and it's just this very seamless garment to me of of jazz. I mean, their their instrumentals have really great jazz chops um, of R&B, of hip hop and all these things and um, that share kind of some common tones and they've really been able to kind of amplify, I think, what those sounds have in common. Trying to make a living We focus on material but really don't do religion Superstition don't listen to Um, and they're just making some of the more interesting work. Again, I don't know that you would look at a community like Columbia and say, oh, that's a place that's going to have kind of this vanguard, like young soul band, you know, just kind of naturally crop up. Um, but they have. And, and just the stuff that they're doing, I think they put out two EPs in 2019 um, alone and, and everything sounds really different and yet has this through line that is kind of unmistakably them. I kind of see them as a band maybe that is, is kind of living in the best of both worlds where they're rooted in a local scene that has this history, but also now obviously much more so than even 10 or 15 years ago, bands can be influenced by artists all over the world that they have no physical connection to because of what we're allowed to access digitally. And so I almost see them as a band that's able has been able to merge those two things where they're, um, there's a local orientation, but they're also pulling in influences literally from around the globe, I think, as far as like, you know, jazz that's being made in Europe or in other parts of the, the world. And so there's kind of a cool thing there. It's kind of a cool, like, I don't know, the global and the local kind of colliding and, and making a sound there. Feel the love, the love, the love. Feel the love, the love, the love. What are you so afraid of? Feel the love, the love. 
So another local that you're kind of looking at is Noah Earl. Tell me about Noah Earl. So that's kind of an interesting um, other end of the spectrum where, you know, Noah is, um, to the best of my knowledge, I'm basically like a mid-Missouri lifer. Um, You know, he's somebody that, uh, you know, his day job is, you know, he has a farm that he works and he, um, you know, writes songs, uh, wouldn't say on the side, but, you know, uh, that's not the main gig at this point. And, you know, where Loose Loose is kind of this band of kind of young upstarts. Noah's a guy who's, you know, probably, I think he's around my age, you know, kind of like late 30s, early 40s, has a family, is very rooted in this community. But when when people, if people were to ask me, who are some artists that make this place special, he would be one of the first people I would think of because I would stack his, you know, he's kind of a folk singer with some country and blues and rock influence. And I would stack his songs up with anybody in any any community across the country. Someday These gray autumn clouds will disperse And the warm blue sky will spill down from heaven And fill up your heart Just the, the lyrical turn of phrase, the, the kind of the depth of ideas that he's able to access, um, and just the ways he kind of wraps those words then in his melodies, um, yeah, I just think I think you could put him, his music, you know, you could do almost like a blind uh, taste test kind of thing where like you put his music up against a songwriter that's, you know, on a big label somewhere. And I think people would come out saying, hey, I really like this guy. You will come to see the world around you so clearly just as it was meant to be. So I just, I love that that's, I mean, that, that kind of speaks in some way, I'm, I'm kind of talking about permanence, but in some way that kind of speaks about that volatility that I was talking about earlier where, you know, I don't know what will happen with a band like Loose Loose or some of these younger rock bands that have come up in Colombia. But then you look around and you're like, hey, there's this guy who's this treasure here that isn't going anywhere. Um, and even as all these other things kind of swirl and change and rotate, um, we have these people who are these kind of anchors for us musically and and. I would say, you know, I could probably name a handful of people like that, but Noah is definitely kind of at the top of that list for me. What it's like to be free You will come to see me here beside you so clearly Just as I was meant to be This is Intersection. We're talking with Columbia Tribune music writer Eric Danielson about what he's listening to and his job covering music in Missouri. I'm Janet Saidi. You can hear the full conversation at kpia.org. What made you want to be a music writer? That's a great question. I think a couple of forces probably kind of came together. One is that um, I I feel like I grew up, I was just talking about this actually with a a group of students um, at Mizzou, that I feel like I'm just old enough that I came up at kind of the tail end of this like, I don't know, everyone probably thinks their um, period is the golden age, but like this golden age of music journalism where, um, you know, we weren't, really steeped in the in the web yet and everything was still coming out in magazines and newspapers and you know um, anthologies and so you could really attach yourself pretty easily to um, certain critics whose style you really liked and 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 really you know begin to develop even if it was just on the page um, a relationship with that writer um, but then I also you know I grew up making music I wrote songs I, I played music I you know um, you know, kind of did the coffee house, you know, circuit thing when I was in college. Um, and at some point, you know, I just, I just loved music so much, but I, at some point, you know, it was kind of like maybe a, an athlete who realizes, yeah, they're 
better than some people at basketball, but they're not going to make the NBA. Like that's just not going to happen. And so I kind of had this moment of like, okay, what am I going to do with this thing that I love, but I'm probably not talented enough to make a living at. And it just begin to make sense to, 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 to talk about it, to write about it, to share that love with other people um, in the written word. And so I kind of just began to like take these little pockets of maybe skills that I had developed over the years and kind of this affinity for music writing and, and just kind of begin to like marry all of that together. That's awesome. Where were you? Where were you growing up doing coffee houses? Well, so I grew up in the Southwest, but then I actually came to college um, in Missouri. I went to school um, in Bolivar, Missouri, down near Springfield. And um, yeah, so it was kind of just like gigging around Springfield a little bit. Or, you know, I had friends that were in much, much heavier bands than what I was playing, but would kind of just like tag me onto a bill. And so, you know, there are all these kids who came ready to listen to, uh, you know, hardcore band or a metal band. And they got 15 or 20 minutes of me playing nice songs on the piano before uh, before that all happened. Um, but it was fun. <laughs> Tough yeah. crowd. Yeah. It, I mean, it, they were usually pretty kind about it. You also, a lot of your writing comes from your Christian faith, mm. if I have that right. Yeah, sure. And uh, how, how does your faith influence kind of your love for music and vice versa and your writing about music? Yeah. I think... Two things come to mind immediately. One is, you know, uh, and, and certainly Christ- this is not unique to Christianity, but this concept of a, a creator God, a creator deity, um, who then kind of passes that that ability to create onto people. And so I'm just always fascinated by the things that people make. Um, the ways that we take, you know, what's around us, whether it's notes and rhythms, whether it's words, whether it's, you know, cultivating the land, you know, planting a garden, any of those things. I'm fascinated with how we kind of take that impulse and then try to make meaning of the things around us. And so um, I feel like often to get to know someone well, um, you look at what they make, you know, and you look at how they've invested that thing with love and care um, and, and something of their own experience. And so that's really interesting to me. And then maybe just kind of part and parcel with that is just this kind of um, abiding belief that I have that, um, you know, that everybody has something special about them, that everybody has some sort of dignity or worth that they come that they come into the world with. It's not earned. It's just it's just who we are. It's how we're born. And and so, you know, I'm again, I, I want to be close to those conversations where people are saying this is what means something to me in my art. I can tell you who I am. Um, and because I believe that there's something worth hearing there and somebody worth hearing out, um, I really want to. I really want to highlight that. I want to. I want to create space for those conversations to happen. I want to, you know, connect people with stories that we've all lived in, but yet transcend our own experience. Right? That we're kind of living in stories that are common with other people's stories. And and so I think if there's a way for me on the page to connect people in that way, or to even you know, introduce people to music that makes them realize that they're not alone, you know, that they're not alone in this world and there's somebody else who understands something that they've gone through and can affirm kind of their their dignity and their value in that way. I don't know. I, maybe that makes me kind of a middleman in some way, but I'm happy to kind of like mediate that a little bit and make that mm. possible. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we're all in the media in a way. So yes, it's right. Like, it's <laughs> communication in the deepest sense, you know, sure. like reaching out, connecting, communicating with people. Yeah. So that's really cool that you feel that way about it. And, um, you know, it strikes me listening to you that, you know, uh, so much of the history of our music, American music, the the, the blues, um, particularly in country music, is people reaching out to, you know, a higher deity. Sure. Um, yeah. Kind of a cool history. Yeah. Well, and I just think that, you know, I always say this to, to people when I'm talking kind of about my job that, like, 
making art, making music is an attempt to like make meaning. It's an attempt to understand who we are and what we're doing in the world. And I think that whether you're singing about seeing the light or, you know, uh, traveling toward heaven, or you're singing about this person that you're in love with that you can't get out of your head, it's all a grasping for some sort of connection. It's all, there's almost, um, you know, some people may chafe at this, but I think there's a religious impulse to all of those questions of like, I want to be connected to something or someone that's outside of me. Um, and that I'm going to derive some of my meaning from that. And so um, whether it's, yeah, in, in those traditions of like gospel and spiritual and country music, or it's, you know, stuff that maybe might not seem on its face that way, I think that there's a lot of common impulses there. Yeah, that's a really beautiful way to think about music in general and writing about music is just that search for meaning and the search for a connection beyond yourself. And yeah. You can really see that happening at Roots and Blues and sure. concerts and True Falls Absolutely, as well. yeah. Just in, and, and at church where people gather for meaning and for connection. Yeah, I think any time that we gather in a community of people, whether it's five people in a basement show or thousands of people at a festival, and somebody is in time, in a moment, reaching for something that goes beyond that moment, there's something, you can call it religious, you can call it spiritual, you can call it whatever you want, but there's something big happening there. There's something going on. Um, and I think that that's just, I like being able to bear witness to to when that's happening, so. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, more music. Brittany Howard is on your list. Tell yeah. us about Brittany Howard. I So, yeah, one of the records that I'm just kind of obsessed with uh, over the last month or two, and it's interesting, um, you know, Spotify does these, like, playlists where it's like, here's what's been on repeat for you lately, and, like, you know, half of the playlist recently was Brittany Howard <laughs> songs. But, um, yeah, she's the, the singer. People will know her as the singer from the band Alabama Shakes, um, and that's a band that... I can't remember when their first record came out, you know, maybe the early 2010s. Um, I, I just wasn't that, I thought she was a great vocalist, but I wasn't that moved by it. It seemed very just kind of like soul R&B revival stuff. There was mm -hmm. a lot of people doing that. It didn't seem like the music to me was all that interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and then they put out their record Sound and Color a few years ago that just like blew the doors off of everything and was just kind of this like, again, I don't know, Loose Loose uses that term future soul. That's what I think of when I think of Brittany Howard and, and the recent Alabama Shake stuff is just this thing where they're taking this basis of soul music that we all know, but they're just getting weird with it. They're, you know, taking risks and making strange noise and kind of, you know, stretching and and, and compressing moments to, to, to affect. And, and I think that she really, on, so this is her first solo record. Uh, Jamie is the name of the record. And um, she really takes that into, you know, takes that another step further on this record, I think, where, you know, the, the power of her voice and the soulfulness in her voice is an immediate connection point. But then there are all these things happening underneath the layer of, of vocals that are just kind of, you know, it's just, it's, I don't know how else to describe it other than it's weird and it's noisy and it's, you don't expect what comes next and you think you know where you are and then something happens. So I just love that um, she's able to convey emotion and convey meaning vocally, but then also to kind of interrupt and disrupt that musically and kind of begin to, I don't know, change your perspective on what she's singing about a little bit. 
That's really exciting. Yeah. You know, you're, um, Eric, a journalist and into music, musician, music writer. You know, the landscape of journalism is changing, and there are so fewer music writers out there. What's it like being a music writer right now in this journalism landscape? It sort of feels like being the last buffalo on the prairie, but you can kind of see over to other prairies and see that there's like a buffalo over there and one over here. Wow, um, that's about as sad as Im- an image well, as uh, you could create for that. I thought I might yeah. be sort of over-dramatizing it no. to think that it might be sad, but well, that sounds really sad. I guess, and I should I should, I should, should walk that back a little bit because I think that um, what I mean by that is people who have like a full-time job doing it. Um, at a specific publication. Yeah. You know, the days of having a dedicated music critic at a newspaper yeah. or a dedicated music critic um, at a magazine are kind of over. And and there are a ton of other music writers, but it's people who are are hustling to compile as many freelance clips as they can into a career. And so it's this weird thing where, um, again, I was just talking about this with some students the other day, that, that they're... Uh, it, it's it's the beauty and the hardness of of the world that we live in digitally. It's that you know, there are so many more voices in the mix, and that's amazing because there are voices that would not have been in the mix, you know, even a couple decades ago. So many more, uh, you know, women music writers who are getting attention, and 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 music writers of color that are getting attention. Um, but then at the same time, I think that 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 um, kind of uh, I don't know what the right word is, just that multiplicity of voices. That means that it's harder to connect with one one voice. I think sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and so you know what you're seeing is a lot of um, newspapers and magazines that, of course, don't have the budget, you know, or the the personnel, you know, ability to to keep you know arts critics on. And so it's this weird thing of like you know that there are other people out there, but you kind of feel like the only one sometimes. Um, yeah, and it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to know how to reach your local audience when there's a panoply of voices available to them and they they might not read your piece on the local festival but they might read the piece that was published in the St. Louis Post Dispatch you know and you and you're mm-hmm. writing about the same thing and so i don't know it's it's a weird negotiation in that way where um, there's community but it feels kind of isolating at the same time okay um do you have favorite music writers for sure yeah who um, are they <laughs> so i'm thinking some some current favorites um I think that um, I mean Jessica Hopper, who um, is based out of Chicago, and I can't—I would not be able to list all the places that she's worked for, um, but is absolutely one of my favorites. Um, I read a lot of Stephen Hyden's work. Um, he's the music guy at Uproxx. He used to be at Grantland back when that was um, kind of the shining beacon of uh, cultural journalism, long-form journalism on the internet. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've always been a fan of guys who you know I I, I grew up reading that stuff in the 90s and so you know still read I mean Chuck Klosterman doesn't write about music that much anymore but his stuff Rob Sheffield stuff Mm -hmm. um, at Rolling Stone those are people that I really love Um, I think probably actually now as I I start kind of working through this out loud probably my favorite like current music writer um, is Amanda Petrusich who's at I think mm-hmm. she's at The New Yorker, mm-hmm. um, but has written some really great books about music. And then, I mean, literally every time that she writes a, a long-form profile of an artist, that's like a stop what I'm doing and read it for 15 minutes kind of moment in the day. Um, and she's somebody who I just think handles both the kind of technical aspects of music and the human aspects of music with just, um, just yeah, really rare gift. That's great. Okay, well, there's some to check out. What about any highlights of uh, festivals or concerts that are coming up? There's November kind of sliding to the end of the year. 
You had mentioned uh, David Wax Museum is coming through, and that's a really interesting band. Yeah, they'll be here in mid-November, um, I believe, at Rose Music Hall. And you know, that's a band um, folks who are listening may be familiar with because David grew up here. Um, he went to Rockbridge and then uh, left for Harvard and, um, you know, kind of uh, kind of has a foot in two really interesting music scenes. I think I can't remember the timeline, but either between high school and college or sometime during college, he went to Mexico to work on a ranch and kind of uh, became familiar with and kind of studied at the feet of these local masters of these Mexican folk styles. Um, but then also being in college on the East Coast, there's obviously a really rich folk scene in the New England area. And so kind of those two worlds coming together starts this band with um, uh, a violin player, a fiddle player named Sue Slezak, who is, uh, they're now married. Um, and they've just kind of made this fascinating blend of what we would consider like North American folk music um, with all of these Mexican and Latin American styles. They've been at Roots and Blues. I mean, they've been through town quite a few times because of, of David's connection to Columbia. But they're another band that I think um, started in a very traditional vein. And just the, the longer that they've been together have like felt the freedom to hang on to that kind of like core, those kind of core elements, but get a little bit weirder and a little bit further afield as they've gone out. And that's always really interesting to me. Um, I like when people take something that you kind of expect and then maybe decorate it with a little bit of noise or some weird, you know, some weird effects or, you know, just an instrument that you're not expecting. And so... Plus, um, they're they're just kind of adorable. They are. And they're, they're married really, yeah, and they and just seem so happy. They're, it's a very... Every time I've seen them, I've probably seen them a handful of times now, it's it's very joyous. It's very jubilant. Um, you know, there's a lot of dancing. There's a lot of just spirit to it. It's really the best expression that I've seen, or, or one of the best expressions I've seen in a while, of somebody who internalizes music from another culture but then you know what comes out of them is very faithful and very reverent and is not sort of like a it doesn't feel like a co-opting in any way of that music and so that that very just like beautiful romantic um you know jubilant spirit that you would associate with some of the son music um in mexico and, and surrounding com countries um just really comes out in what they do live yeah that's awesome yeah well eric we're uh we need to wrap up time wise but um anything else on your rotation on spotify that's coming up that you want to mention that we haven't covered here um i'm i'm a pretty you know dyed in the wool uh wilco fan and um, their newest record, Ode to Joy, just came out a couple weeks ago, and I think it's one of the best things they've made in the last, you know, 15 years. Um, and again, is one of those bands that's kind of found like this minimalistic um, folk rock core to what they do. But then, you know, uh, an electric guitar kind of comes into your ear, your earbuds from nowhere, and and kind of immediately like shapes and changes what you're thinking about the song that you're listening to. And and so I just they're they're a band that's really mastered that ability to take something relatively uh, structured and traditional and just kind of deconstruct it and mess with it and then try to put it back together. And all the parts maybe don't look like they fit, but it, it sounds really interesting. And and so that's another album that I've just been kind of obsessing over the last last few weeks. I'm so glad you mentioned Wilco because we, we can't really sit in the middle of Missouri and talk about <laughs> right. music. Yeah. And, you know, Missouri and music without somewhere mentioning Wilco. So that's yeah. a good band actually to go out with. Yeah, absolutely. A band that, um, you know, 
uh, has a long relationship with Columbia and Mid-Missouri through the Blue Note and through, you know, way back to the days when Jeff Tweedy and Jay Farrar were playing at Uncle Tupelo together. And, you know, Columbia was like one of the first out-of-town places they played growing up on the on the Illinois side of St. Louis. So. Eric, thank you so much for coming into yeah, Intersection. Yeah, it's really fun. Thank you so much. That's Intersection this week. Thanks for listening to our chat with Columbia Tribune Arts and Entertainment Editor Eric Danielson. Intersection is produced by Bill Finn, Olivia Love, and Sydney Steele. I'm Janet Saidi. You can check out more at kbia.org.